I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this podcast, which is an abridged version of the television interview that I did with Alex Brooker as part of my television series In Conversation broadcast on the W Channel. I hope you enjoy it. This podcast is brought to you by UKTV Play the free on-demand service. Tonight I'll be in conversation with the man who first tried to get in TV by getting a job with Jeremy Kyle. Fortunately, he didn't get that job and instead came to our screens in 2012 when he did his first live interview with the Prime Minister in front of 11 million people. Tonight, I'll be in conversation with Alex Brooker. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me on. First of all, you got to tell us, Jeremy Kyle, what was all that about? I just thought it was nice to probably apply for a job on there before I was a guest on it, so I could avoid. <laughs> no, it was it was weird. I'd I'd already I'd applied for for Channel Four, and I was sort of you know I'd already done a little bit of auditioning. Where were just... you said you'd applied for Channel Four for what? It was in I think it was in about October 2010. I was looking for jobs because I was a football journalist uh, for a sports agency and I was just, I wanted to do something different and I was looking through the job ads and then I saw this advert for Channel 4 and it was called the Half Million Quid Talent Search and the three the big The Half things, Million yeah, Quid Talent obviously Search? Obviously my eyes lit up. Yeah, yeah. You and I realised, getting the money. Yeah, that was the budget they spent on it, sadly. Oh, really? It wasn't, yeah, I thought that was the wages. So I was, <laughs> I was bang on. But the, the criteria for it were... Um, are you disabled? And I was like, yeah, tick. Are you, you know, do you have a, a career in the media? I was like, yeah, I do. And do you have a background in sport? And I was just thinking, yeah, I do. So I just thought there can't be that many of us <laughs> knocking about who, who tick these three boxes. And I thought, what? I mean, I know a lot of sports journalists and I only know one other disabled one, so it could just be a 50-50 chance on this. <laughs> you know, you know what I did at him? I did a tour once in Ireland, and there was an, um, on RTE in Ireland, they had the news in English. And on the same time, on RTE too, they had the news in Gaelic. And on the Gaelic channel, they had somebody doing sign language doing the news, and I thought, that's, that's how many deaf Irish speakers are there? <laughs> There's probably only four, and one of them's on the telly. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so, it was, so it was it was a search for a disabled sports journalistic orientated yeah. presenter. And and that was it. And they were looking for a few of us because when Channel 4 got the rights to the Paralympics for 2012, they pledged to have 50% of the people on screen, you know, with disabilities. So that was how they'd started. Yeah. Because at the time, there's, you know, I remember growing up, there weren't a lot of disabled people on TV. I couldn't really... When I applied, I was quite apprehensive about it because I just thought... There's got to be a reason why there's yeah. not a lot of us knocking about on the telly. And I just, yeah, I never thought of it. Is that the first time in your life you would say that your disability was an advantage? 
Oh, no, I've been, I've been milking it for a good 20-odd <laughs> years before that, mate. Oh, no, like, no, I've been properly milking it. But how do you, uh, you say milking it? Because you didn't go to a disabled school, did you? No, I didn't. I, I, went, to, I went to just, you know, mainstream schooling. Um, my mum wanted to send me to kind of, you know, a, dis a disabled school, so to speak. But my, my dad was just... I think he wanted to kind of, you know... Because I just think he felt that if I started living in that world then it's very difficult then, you know, it's kind of a sheltered way into, into education. And he was just like, nah, sod it. Let him, let him go mainstream schooling. And, and I did, and, and it did work out for me. But the fortunate thing for me when I was younger is I was quite out... I've always been quite yeah. outgoing. And so if you think about it, like, I was never really um, bullied at school. I wasn't. Um, that's because a lot of my mates were... Well, the bullies. So yeah. but, <laughs> but but to, to be fair, like, like when you said that, and, I, and I've read that you've said that in the past, that you weren't bullied in school. For the start, you're the oldest of six boys. Yeah. So there's a, a, an, an essence that you'd be used to the, the, I suppose, the knockabout world of boys. Oh, yeah, I could have a row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That surprised me that you never felt at all it bullied was, all excluded. It was really strange because I went, I went to a, a grammar school. Yeah. So I think that, like, my, the one thing my parents were very keen on was for me to go to a grammar school because I just felt that they might have thought that even the kind of insults that you'd get would have an, a bit of intelligence <laughs> to them. And at least if he gets bullied, it's a higher level of bullying. Yeah. It's and it's be, got a second layer yeah. to it. And afterwards, you think, oh, well, that meant that. So, yeah, it's got to be <laughs> grammatically correct. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have been very, very finite grammatically correct You might correct even get bullying. it in Latin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to get bullied, get bullied by someone who's going to go to Cambridge. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah. And but, then he's going to bully you for the rest of your life yeah. anyway when he's in government. Yeah. So just to clarify for people who don't know, what is your disability? I was born with um, kind of, ha I call it hand and arm disabilities. When I was born, my hands were kind of stuck together. And, I, I've, you know, over time, I've had a series of operations on those. Um, I was born without one of the, the bones in my lower right leg. So I had my foot amputated when I was about 13 months old. Because, obviously, at the time, I could, I could kind of balance on it. But long going forwards, you know, my parents had a decision to make. Walk badly with the leg that I had or walk better yeah. without the foot. And I, you know, I've got my foot all the way up until kind of there. So it's just above where, where the heel would be. So there's no term for my disability and there's no reason, there's no reason why. There was never, you know, I kind of, sometimes I used to get bristled when people of a, a kind of an older generation would be like, oh, is it thalidomide, which is, you know, yeah, I'm like, well, no. Like, I'm, I was born in 1984, not in the 60s or 70s, so, no, it wasn't. They pretty much found out by then that there was something iffy with it. Um, so, <laughs> you, know, you know, they weren't getting... It wasn't still going around on the black market. Um, so, yeah, I was... Um, you know, there was never... There's never any, any reason for it. And, you know, I mean, me and my wife are trying for children now, and, like, I had tests done. I had a genetic tests done yeah. a little while ago, and... It is. It came back. I was, I was an anomaly. It's unique. I've never seen anyone like me. Obviously, I see people with the legs. I've seen a couple with the hands, but never the, what I like to call the full package. The full package. <laughs> yeah, the full, the full set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 
you're the oldest of, of six boys. Yeah. So from your parents' point of view, it clearly didn't stop them having more children. All the other boys are uh, no. able-bodied. Yeah. Is that a conversation that you'd ever had with them about whether they were concerned you know afterwards? What? I got very conscious about my disabilities around about 2010. So I was, what, like 26 at that time. And the reason was is that... I was part of like a development squad for um, rifle shooting with the, for the Paralympics. And the only reason I got picked up on it was because I was sent there to do an article on, you know, Paralympics GB were looking for new talent. And obviously, because I'm disabled, they said, well, you should just try the sports to help give your articles some oh, context. Right, okay, yeah. So I just tried this rifle shoot and it turns out I was decent at it. Then I ended up getting called up to the squad. And it's the first time in my life I've ever spent a long time around other disabled people. And it was weird because, as you said, I, I went to mainstream schooling. There were no other, you know, disabled kids at school. So I didn't actually know a great deal of other disabled people. There were none yeah. on the telly for me to kind of relate to. So I'd met all these disabled people and, they, you know, it was like hospital waiting room at times. You know, you yeah. just see these people with... A, Bits missing left, right and centre. <laughs> and it freaked me out as much as... Because I thought, wow, for the first time I felt really different. And it was, it was odd. And they'd refer to themselves as things like Crips and stuff like that. And I was like, you don't want to be calling yourself that, fellas. And they thought it was, it was a big joke. And I was so conscious about it. And then I kind of ended up going into counselling to kind of make my peace. Make, make, peace make your it. peace with... With, with, my, the... with my disability. And it was around that time... When, you know, I was going through the counselling, I did start to ask my mum and dad questions. You know, what's the deal here? What is going on? And they were quite shocked because they thought I'd be like that when I was 13, 14, yeah. when I was going through puberty. But not at 26. I was, I've been living on my own for the best part of eight years, living independently. Like, I moved up north for uni. I, it was weird. I was living an independent life. So to them, it, it came as quite a shock that I was started to ask all these questions. And in the end... It was just... I don't know what it was. There'd been inklings over the years. It started... I stopped... I had to stop playing football because I couldn't, like... Basically, just my knees would hurt and I'd have all these... all manner of problems. And that made me start conscious at uni. And then just it just stop for a second. You said you had to stop playing football. Yeah. Even... I used to play... I went to uni in Liverpool and we used to play five-a-side on a Sunday, me and my mates, uh, who I lived with. And it was no great standard. I mean, it was just, you know, in a league on a Sunday night for an hour. But when you were turning up to play against the opposition... Yeah. ..that must have been a little bit odd for them. Yeah, it must be. It was even weirder because I played in goal, so they must have thought... <laughs> is, this, is this mind game? So, now, to me, I'm, you know, I know Alex Ferguson, but to put the lad with the short arms in goal seems a little bit... <laughs> Short-sighted, and the were you any good? I was, yeah, I got because cool, I'm quite big. I filled a bit of it. Anyway, it's only five aside, eleven aside. I'd have been crap. Well, so, I, uh, I played Ad, Adam. Obviously, you do the last leg with Adam Hills. We were at the Kilkenny Comedy Festival, and what happens at the Kilkenny F Festival every year? All the Irish comedians play against all the rest of the world. And Adam always goes in goal, because Adam's got one, one foot, as, yeah. you, as you know. So he goes in goal with his false leg. And we played, and we won. We won for the first time ever. And it's mental. I mean, the village comes out and watch. You get about 700 people watching the football, these comedians. who were all terrible. We won, and we had no trophy 
to, to receive as the winners. So Adam took his leg off. <laughs> and that became the trophy. And then what was funny is we all decided to do a lap of honour with it. So we ran off with his leg and he's going, no, that's not fair. <laughs> but so that, the weird thing about football is, I'm right-footed and I don't have a right foot. <laughs> and I'm just like, someone's... I mean, come on, it's just... Like, I, Listen, know. we've got people playing for <laughs> Liverpool who do it. The council on that you went to, to readjust your acceptance of your own yeah. disability in the disability world, how did you come out of that at the end? Because one know? of the things that strikes me is you've always made humour about it. Yeah. When I first went in there, I went in for the first one with this guy, and, you know, he kind of had a little bit of a discussion with me, and about 40, 40 minutes in, he was just kind of, you know, asking me about how, you know, I go about my day-to-day -day life, and I kept thinking, I don't know, don't know much about this counselling, like, I mean, it just seems to me that he's, he's trying to chat me up. He's just <laughs> asking me what I do today today. And then 40 minutes in, he's going, yeah, I just, I get the impression that you really don't like yourself. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> well, oh, and granted, I'm, I might have a little bit of peace to make with a leg in the hands, but in general, I, I, quite, I find myself quite amusing. I like what I said, you know, the face I'm okay with, a bit of weight off, but there's work to do. And he kind of broke it to me like that, and I left there and I was thinking, oh, shit, <laughs> you know. And then we went through this counselling for about, like, two months solid. Every week I'd go there and we'd talk stuff through. And he said to me, you need to do this. For ye you need years after this. Don't think this is done in eight weeks. We're making progress, but you need years of this. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, cool. I'll be in touch. And then I just didn't. I, di I, di I, I just didn't. And I stopped that counselling in what? June 2010. And in October, I was on the Paralympic gravy train for Channel 4. Yeah. Wanting to talk about the disability. And but is that, is that, in its own way, providing the same thing? It is. I, I really... I think it has. To talk about the leg and that on telly, even though I joke about it, but at the same time, I'm very, I'm, I'm very proud to be in the situation that I'm in now, personally, because there was a time when I wasn't as comfortable with it, mm. but as well, you know, the amount of people who would watch, say, The Last Leg or something else I do on telly, and obviously, straight away, you're going to do a double take. You're going to think, what's yeah. going on here? And then after a while, you kind of... It goes past that because it's, you know, I'm obviously not completely constrained by, by, by the disabilities. And I do get a lot of people coming up to me saying, oh, it's great, you know, we've got disabled children and it's such an inspiration to have someone yeah. like you on TV, which wasn't around. And that does, that makes me proud because it's, it's better than, you know, we get some lovely accolades for, for the last second. We have done for the Paralympics. And that means more to me than any of the other stuff because it's just, it's a world away from where I was, you know, six years ago. Yeah. It just, and it, and it is. And within two months of the counselling, I'd met my, you know, my wife. So my life completely changed. And I don't, that was a good time to, to meet my wife. It was quite a good time for it was, you know, eh, you know, chatting her up. By the way, just to let you know, I feel I'm quite at peace with myself. I've just done a load of counselling, so if you want to, you know... <laughs> a lot of women struggle to know what's inside their fellas' yeah, minds. Yeah. I've, I've just I've done just, it. I've cleared that just before yeah. I met you, weirdly. So just done me counselling yeah. and I'm over them, man. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm really, you know, I think I'm over me ex. <laughs> I'm OK to take my leg off in bed, yeah. so shall we crack on? And it's just... <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the last leg has been brilliant, I think, for you doing that. Cause I, and I've watched it from the beginning, because yeah. I'm, I'm friends with Adam and I wanted to see how it would go. 
And I was really struck by the dynamics between the three of you. But what's good now is that you've got a standalone personality within that show. It was, it's, it's so incredible, the idea. First of all, that I went into the telly. Yeah. And the fact that I've managed to stay in it for a bit as well, because I just, I just didn't think that was going to happen. You know, when I went into London 2012, it was a nine-day contract with Channel 4 for the Paralympics. No other commitment after that. And, you know, my first time on TV, you know, as I said, I, I was a reporter. I wasn't there to do comedy or anything like that. And we did this first last lecture. I'd already I'd reported on the opening ceremony. Which is when you interviewed Cameron. Cameron. And that is... What was that like? It was the scariest moment. Of, of, my, of my life. I can't even really remember what I asked him. I remember a lot of people saying that I looked really excited, but I was just happy to be on the telly. I, at one point, I almost went, hang on a minute, Prime Minister, I'm on the telly here. Hey, how good is this? It's London 2012s, you know, me. And then the next day, I went to go and do Last Leg, so I was back out as a reporter, get thrown in to do this show, and it, and, you know, I didn't, I'd known Adam a little bit from meeting him before. I'd Never really spoke to Josh. I'd seen him as a comic, and I thought he was hilarious, but I didn't know him. And we did this first five minutes on the sofa, and I remember I played rock, paper, scissors with Andrew Flintoff. You played rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, <laughs> with the joke being that all mine looked the same, so I was going to win every time. <laughs> and then I was off. And that was meant to be me on the last leg, apart from a reporter. And then the next day I come in, Channel 4 had kind of, you know, had a word with the producers and said, we like the look of the three of them together get the lad Alex back on and put him on the sofa from the start. And I remember the, the Pete, the producer, just saying to me, look, this is, this is good, this is brilliant news. And I was like, no, it's not, I'm a reporter. So you're saying I'm not doing any more football? And he said, said no, you'll just be on, you'll be ours. I'll, you know, we'll send you out every now and again, but you'll be on the sofa every night. I didn't have a writer there or anything yeah. like that. I had no idea of... Comedy, what was I going to do? I mean, some would say I still don't have an idea of comedy now. But I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, some of, the, some of the subject matter as well was pretty edgy, yeah, to say yeah. the least. And I, don't, I actually, on that, I don't think that Josh ever gets the credit which he deserves for, for London. Because if you're a young, aspiring comedian, if someone says to you, right, come and do this show at the Paralympics, well, some of the stuff you're going to be doing, like, there's a clip of this... Uh, Blind triple jumper, completely missing the pit. You're going to piss yourself laughing. And then we want you to joke about it on the telly afterwards. You'd just be like, what? I'm not there. You'd think it's career-ending stuff, but we managed to get the tone right. This podcast is sponsored by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service, where you can watch the TV shows you love from Dave, Yesterday, Really and Drama, wherever you want, whenever you want. The home of BAFTA-nominated series Taskmaster and the critically acclaimed Red Dwarf alongside other UK TV Play exclusive, including The White Princess and Most Haunted. UK TV Play offers free access to thousands of hours of comedy, drama, documentaries, and paranormal TV, all for free. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think the thing that everyone really enjoyed during the election campaign was your interview. No, I'll rephrase that. Your interrogation yeah. with Nick Clegg. Oh, yeah. just, just set that up for us and tell us how it came about. Like, Clegg had agreed to come on, and that was brilliant. And then they had the idea of kind of, I should interview him, and he was going to persuade me to vote. Because I'll be honest with you, before last year, I hadn't voted, and I was ignorant. And I, I hold my hands up to my own ignorance. I just well, never why really did you not vote into, this? I just never really got into politics. I, I'd never really paid an, an attention to it. And I hadn't educated myself, and it was quite embarrassing to admit that on the telly. So the idea was he would come on and convince me to vote. Then we wanted to throw in a few extra questions with him. And then, I don't know who, but somebody had the idea of a mechanism to undercut... As soon as he was going into well, party, I'll tell you what, political you broadcast... Well, before you say what the mechanism was that you employed, let's show the clip. Right then, first of all, thanks for coming on and that. Lovely to have you up. <laughs> I want to guarantee from you, right here, right now, no bullshit. Okay. Okay? Because if I even think, if I smell a hint of it, bullshit. <laughs> that's a bullshit. <laughs> that's a bullshit buzzer. And you do. And what if the questions? Bullshit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get away then. Bullshit. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. That's, um, that, that's my buzzer. No, you're. This is. Sorry. This is. <laughs> bullshit. I see. You know what? It was... You should sell that mechanism. <laughs> People can sit at home watching questions. Oh. Bullshit! It was, it was weird, that, because it was an interview. But we were, were a comedy show. So it was hammed up, and there was an element of it being kind of sketchy, yeah. even though there was stuff I wanted to know. What did you think of him? Because um, I looked at that again, and, you know, this was just when everything was going wrong for him, and he looked tired. Yeah. Uh, but in essence, as a politician... He seemed an all right bloke. He he was he is an all right all right bloke. He what he came across, I thought well because it was he was put on the spot. And the thing with the bullshit button was it was undercutting everything and it was a comedic device. But at the same time, it was putting him under pressure. And the more pressure he was put on live, he didn't have time to think of what the party yeah. line was on it. So he just started answering as a real bloke. He was answering just as himself, not as, you know, Nick Clegg, Deputy Prime Minister, leader of the Liberal Democrats. He was answering just genuinely. So there was a time when I said to him, you know, on a scale of one to ten, with one being couldn't give less of a shit and ten being I can't sleep at night, how bad do you feel about the student tuition fees? And he was so taken aback by it and he just went, a nine. I, f I feel bad about it. And it's the first time he'd mm. he was... Because he answered honestly and I think people respected him for that. It didn't do him no good in the election in the end. <laughs> but they did respect him for that. And that was, that was where I can see in hindsight now that it actually it did help. And the feedback to it was, was great. I suppose the, the point that you've reached has led you to being an ambassador with Scope. And, a, yeah. and there's a, an ad campaign. It actually addresses the thing that no one wants to talk about. Yeah. It actually 
addresses that awkwardness that people feel. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. You know, when Scope first approached me to do an advert about disability, I was apprehensive because a lot of the adverts you'd see about disability on television, you know, it was they were always very not negative, but it would be like, you know, meet Alex. He's got one leg and little arms and he has a shit life. Yeah. Please donate. And I love and those adverts are great, but when they kind of came up with the idea of ending the awkward, it was something that I've experienced in my life. I still do now, you know, and to have a handshake with someone, you know, with, with arms like me, of course they're not going to know what to do. And I think there's a problem. It's not a problem in the country, but, you know, this whole idea of being awkward was never a criticism. You know, a lot of it was based in the workplace. It's not a criticism of people in the workplace or people you meet because why wouldn't you do... A double take. It's like yeah, I yeah. saw a guy, I found myself a couple of summers ago, I'd just been up to the Edinburgh Festival to watch um, Josh and, and Adam do their shows. And I was on the way back and I had, I had a pair of shorts on. And I was looking at this guy and he had like, he just had one ear. And I was just looking at him. I was looking at him thinking, what happened to the ear? Where did the ear go? <laughs> yeah. And he must have been looking at me going, is this fella having a laugh? <laughs> like, he's, in terms of me, he's double parked. <laughs> and he's got the front to be staring at me, missing an ear. But you do, it's human nature, it's curiosity. When you see something different for the first time, you stare. And the End the Awkward campaign was about where do you go after that? And do you let it affect you so much and become so worried about saying or doing the wrong thing, that in fact, actually, you can't even communicate yeah. with a disabled person. And that, and that is it. I think a lot of the awkwardness is born out of, as a society, it's not that we're ignorant, it's that actually, we just don't want to make someone feel awkward. We, and, that, and that's where it's born from. It's not from the fact that people so, are ignorant. So do you think that end the awkward campaign should ultimately reach the point where if somebody sees something, they can say, what happened? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a context to it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you I mean, yeah. If you're shouting the... it out of a yeah. van window, oh, it works, yeah. your leg! <laughs> yeah, on the tube. Yeah, yeah mate, quick, go. We've got, yeah. You know, we've got to do this conversation before Warren Street. What's the matter with you, <laughs> yeah. Um So, yeah, I think there's a... T but people, you can read that sort of situation. I think certainly in, in everyday life, I, d I don't see any harm in it. I mean, we've, you know, I've, I've got a little niece and she started to notice my hands and stuff like that now. And she, she asks questions. With that, though, I do sometimes have a little bit of fun with it for my own, just for my own amusement, because I'm just a bit of an arsehole. <laughs> and it's like, she asked me what happened to my fingers. She was in the middle of eating a sandwich. And I said to her that um, Auntie Lindsay took them off me because I wouldn't eat my lunch. So a little something <laughs> for you to stew over there. And then, <laughs> and then lo and behold, she started asking why, when, why she took my fingers off me. <laughs> One thing we always ask people to do, though, on the show is to bring on a significant photograph. This is the picture you picked. See, now, I mean, that was... That, hang on! <laughs> hang on, you don't know what it is. Everyone, the immediate reaction then with everyone, all the women went, oh, and all the fellas said, oh, God. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Talk us through what's happening. So that was when, that was the moment I proposed to my wife. And I'd already planned to propose in New York, um, and I think she knew I had as well, because what easy way is there to ask them what their ring <laughs> you, size is? Yeah. And, and you've got a photographer with you, that yeah, way well, she gave it away. What happened was they were having people pose for... You could pose, you know, oh, in, in, see, front yeah. of the, in front of the Christmas tree. And it was December and it was snowing. 
And I always wanted to propose the first day I was there because I thought, if I do it straight away, then for the next five days, there's no... Even I can't piss her off. <laughs> and I was just thinking, you know, I'm going to be like God for five days. And you want to get that in early. Don't do it on the last day. Because chances are you pissed her off for four days previous. But it was the first day there, and I had this ring that I was carrying around in my pocket, and we'd, you know, done a bit of sightseeing. I think we'd gone up the Empire State Building, and there's scanners there. And the problem is, I couldn't put the ring through the scanner, but I knew my leg was going to set it off anyway. So when, like, the leg went off, and the guy kind of, like, packed me down, and he, he was like, so is it just the leg? And he kind of felt the box in the pocket... And he kind of let me go, and it was... Because oh, that could have put the whole thing on the kibosh. We don't want to transmit that to any members <laughs> yeah. of Al-Qaeda. Yeah. Just have, have a ring-shaped yeah. box, you'll be all, away. All this time, like, we never knew <laughs> how long. Yeah. So that night, I'd, always, I'd already planned to propose by the Christmas tree, because I liked it off Home Alone. I'm alone too. And I'd already liked the big Christmas tree. And I already thought, what a great place to be to propose. And then I was going to do it there before we got to the photo booth, but there were so many people around. There was no space. And that was a space I just saw. And I thought, wow. I just, when they think we're going to post a photo, I'll get down on the knee and then do it. And I just didn't, I didn't think they'd carry on taking photos. And then afterwards, I was so like, proud of myself. First of all, because she'd said yes. Second of all, because it was snowing, it was quite nice, and I'd done it by the Christmas tree. And then I just thought, next four days I'm going to get so much sex. <laughs> 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 the thing was, after it, I was just like, the woman went, oh, you can get your photos from inside the shop. I was like, oh, you took some? Which is like, yeah, and I thought I'd done something so unique. And I just walked in there, and the woman's like, um... So, sir, would you like our proposal package? It comes with a snow globe. I'm like, no. What? It turns out they have one every few minutes here. And then there was a fella behind us in the queue, and he was like, congratulations. I was like, oh, cheers. He's like, yeah, I, w- I went after you. And I did the same thing. And I was oh, just thinking, no. how gutted you'd have been. <laughs> so that was, that was a nice. And it's one of the few things I can say that I've done, which basically ended up as, as perfect as I wanted it. And also, it's nice for her to see this on the telly because after the other time, I'm just telling disgusting stories about our relationship <laughs> on last night. <laughs> you've reached a point now in your life that, as you said before, you probably wouldn't have thought you, you've, you've nah, reached, you've got... Not at you, all. You've got, you're, you're definitely punching above your weight. Oh, yeah, <laughs> big time. And I'm heavy at the moment. <laughs> you're... Yeah, you know, you're, you're a face on television, you're hosting shows, you know, The Last Legs won awards, you're hosting documentaries and other shows for which your disability is not part of it. It's your, it's your personality that, that's coming through. Would you say now you're the happiest you've ever been? Uh, nah. Um, May 15th, 2004... On my 20th birthday, Arsenal went to season unbeaten. <laughs> and I was there. And I'll tell you what, like, I was... I mean, like, don't get... Like, I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly... <laughs> it, was, it was not beaten. It was on my birthday. It was on awesome. scored the last yeah, game. Oh, it was just... It was glorious, and at the time, yeah. somewhat, I remember, like, I got really... I can relate to that. See, what I was building up to is a really emotional end, but yeah, I'm not kidding. Yeah, it is. No, it is, and I'm, I'm, I'm in terms of career-wise, I'm very, I'm, like, I'm really happy. Um, 
you know, we're talking about starting a family, we, you know, we want to do mm. that, and that's a different phase in my life that I'm going to be, hope, you know, hopefully coming up to. And who knows, I start, it's weird now to, to think, I started thinking about adult stuff. You know, when you start thinking about having kids and things like that, it's, it, does make you, it does make you change, and I don't, like, I don't know how that'll go. I could have a, end up, you know, I don't know what my kids are going to be like. It could be little assholes. Who knows? And then I'll go back and go, that might me. be... Listen, that's a given. That's just life. It will be... You know, but at the moment, certainly, yeah, it's, everything's gone well. Um, I feel lucky, though. I don't, I don't ever want to underestimate. It's a weird thing with me, because there was a time when I used to feel unlucky about my disability. You know, if you'd have asked yeah. me 2010 how I felt, I'd have felt like... Oh, I've got a raw end of the deal. And then I started using it for material. <laughs> On a serious note, though, you, your disability's led you to a whole oh, new world. And, and, and as has, you say, with Lindsay, uh, it's never been an issue with your mates. What I've no, seen on the documentary has never been an issue. No. If somebody said, today, I could take it away from you, would you take it? No, absolutely not. And case in point in that is I've not seen... I last saw my hand surgeon in 1994. That was the last time. So that's 22 years I've been without seeing if anybody can do anything for my hands or arms. And that was even when I was conscious I didn't want it to do because I can do what, like, why would I want to change something that's... It, that kind of... Don't change a winning team, so to speak. Yeah. It's like, you know, I drive... Um, I drive, you know, an unadapted manual car. You know, it's... No, I've got a thumb for my wedding ring, which is nice. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have had to have that around my neck, like, you know, like Frodo. So that's been fortunate. And I've got all the things that I kind of... Within the realms of my disability, look, I, I wouldn't take it away. Do I, I get concerned about the future. I don't know what my legs will be like as I become older, in terms of the strength in them. But I, I'll deal with that when I get to it, because I've dealt with everything up until this point. So, absolutely, there's no way why I... For the stuff that I've experienced, the stuff that I've done, the stuff that I still get to experience, there's no way in a million years I'd, I'd want... I wouldn't change how I am at, at all. Physically, mentally, I might do, though. <laughs> well, to be honest, you look very happy in your own skin. Oh, and this you. has been, I think we'd all agree, a great conversation. Oh, thank you, John. I'll Cheers. This podcast was brought to you by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.